You ready? Yeah. yeah. Don't know what we're getting into, but here we go. Hey, uh, real quick before we jump into this, um, last week I introduced something we called the 90-Day Prayer Challenge. Uh, if you started last Monday and went all the way through Easter, it'd be 90 days, but you can still start. Uh, the idea is to pick a person and or a group of people that you are willing to pray for every day by name, and uh, there are different groups. There's a group for everybody, so uh, if you can't find anybody in this group, then you need to come out of your cave. Uh, if you have friends that you want to pray for, if you're a student and you want to pray for fellow students, the idea there is uh, same number. You text the word that's in all caps there. It doesn't have to be in all caps, but the word, uh, you have to do them separately. You can't do, like, comma. So if you text wife to that number, then you'll go on a list, and we will remind you once a week, hey, thank you for um, making a commitment to pray for your wife. Here are two or three ways that you can pray for them. Um, I have chosen to um, be on the wife list, but I'm also doing adult kids. Uh, we know that praying for our adult kids is different than praying for our, our smaller kids or children. So pick a group or pick two or three groups. Uh, text to that number. I encourage you, if because they're going to move that slide in just a minute, maybe even take out your phone and take a picture of it. If you go online, uh, you can find all those words as well. Uh, if you got an email last week from us, those, those were in the email, but we just want to get you to join. Here's what I love is we had over 400 unique phone numbers sign up last week for that, which is really a cool, yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. So let's make it 800 today. All right. Today we begin our journey through the book of Revelation. And the goal today is to introduce you to the teaching team, which I think is important. Uh, I hope to get you excited about the series uh, and then just spend a little bit of time understanding uh, what Revelation is and what it isn't. Maybe a little bit of the, uh, what is Revelation all about? So um, I want you to get the most out of this series, and what I want you to hear is you're not going to get the most out of the series if all you're doing is Sunday morning. So engage beyond Sunday morning. Be in the text. Be reading the text. Uh, get yourself plugged in. A few ways that you can do that on Tuesdays, uh, while the women's Bible study is full, the Zoom group, we have uh, a live Tuesdays at Grace happening here. Our very own Sean Patton is going to lead it. It starts the 24th, and we will be going deeper in Revelation. You don't have to sign up for that. You can just show up. And uh, we'll keep that going. So Tuesdays at Grace, uh, that happens at 6.30. So we'd love for you to jump into that as one way. Um, I'm encouraging people that want to read a little bit more on Revelations to think about getting this book. Again, you can take a picture of that if you want, or I'll have the book up here in front afterwards. Please don't take it. This is my copy. But anyway, uh, it's called Breaking the Code. If you have a small group, uh, a, uh, a C group or that wants to go a little bit deeper, this could be a great book to read together chapter by chapter. Uh, we're not teaching through this chapter by chapter, but it will align with a lot of the things we're teaching. So Breaking the Code is a great book for you to jump into. I think it's very, this one is very readable. Some of the stuff that I'm reading on Revelations, it's pretty hard to read. So this one was a, a little bit easier. All right, um, I'm going to at this point invite the teaching team to come up. So would you welcome to the stage the teaching team for Revelation. Kevin complained last time because they always make him lead the way, but he just comes up before. Just stand behind him and don't lead the Look way. Look at that movement, though. I just wanted to show you. You're on. You're on. My All right. Still good. I just moved that chair back, and you moved it forward. I couldn't see Wayne last time. Oh. Uh, does Wayne need to move up, though? It's just just leave the chair where I put it, would you? <laughs> Goodness gracious. The things we have to deal with. I know. We work together. 
So uh, we're going to start. I'm just going to give everybody a little bit of an opportunity to introduce themselves. But why don't we start at the far end this time? And uh, who are you? That's going to mess up the people right. with slides. But well, good morning. My name is Bryce Gray. I serve as one of the elders here. I've been attending the church for thank you for over 30 years. 30 years. My name is Wayne Stapleton. I serve with the. Uh, hey, Wayne. You. Yes, sir. While we we're doing the standing greet, somebody over there is like, is that Wayne Stableton over there? So uh, you're like yeah, famous. Yeah, dude. Hi, hi, I'm Wayne. Um, I, I currently, my role is a VP of cross-cultural engagement and emerging leader engagement for the North American Baptist Conference of Churches, which includes Does Grace Community Does it really Community say Church. all that under your name? Yeah, it's like two lines. <laughs> it's a lot of font. That's awesome. And you've been around Grace. Tell them just a, the... Highlights of how this journey with Grace has gone because I love it. My wife and I started attending Grace in about '99. Uh, felt called to go to seminary uh, to go into ministry, so I left in 2003. Uh, went to seminary in Chicago. Grace hired me back in 2008. I was on staff here for four years, then left to go do a church restart in Warren, and stepped down in 2021 to take this role on the. Um, executive team of the Conference of Churches. So. But he's been a part of the Grace family for a long time. A long time, yes. Uh, I'm Kevin Dupree. I am the... Thank you, thank you, thank you. I am the Energizer Bunny around here. I mean, I just try to keep everybody alive and well and doing work for the kingdom around here. So I'm the youth pastor, so love doing what I'm doing and cannot wait to have a good retreat this, this end That's of January. Uh, the Big Chill numbers are uh, up there. It is getting a little uh, Cindy Rocker probably. <laughs> She's probably going through the most chaos right now with just putting people in rooms and stuff. But that's fun stuff, though, so it's good. All right. So uh, the question this morning, I just have three questions that I kind of want to do to hear from them. What are you excited about? What are you excited about when it comes to teaching Revelation? <laughs> wow. You want me to go first? I don't care. <laughs> Whatever you want. The thing I'm most excited about is that I'm not assigned to trickier chapters they are, and I'm excited to hear what they have to say about it. <laughs> um, but on a, on a more serious note, you know, many times I have people that um, will say something like this to me. You know, it's like there's two different gods in the Bible. You got the Old Testament God who's got all the rules and he destroys the world with the flood and he's, you know, the prophets turn or burn kind of thing. And then Jesus shows up turn and he's full of grace and love and mercy and and I often say to them, have you ever read the last book of the Bible? And so what I'm excited about is just to see how this really balances out and, and really to see just how we live differently from what we're learning. Good. I think that uh, oftentimes in our Christian journey, we can make Christianity about ourselves, about the people we like, about our church, about our nation. Sometimes we actually put our clothes on Jesus and I think what Revelation does, it pulls back the curtain and just reveals that what Jesus, the work that Jesus came to do is a cosmic work. For sure. It's, and, and it's bigger than us. And I think that can have a formative impact on how we see ourselves and how we see other people and actually the mission of God in the whole entire world. That's good. Um, what I'm excited about is the fact that I can feel like a student again. Um, I was telling Doug at the beginning, of the this is the book I feel the most ill-equipped to teach. And I think, I mean, just for a pastor, you would think, how does that work right there? But uh, no, I'm excited to just get back into it, dive in, learn. I've been doing a lot of studying, um, reading, which 
I mean, I don't do a lot of that, but I'm, I am now. So, um, so no, I think it's good that I, I, can, I can feel like I'm a student and I'm getting excited about the journey. So uh, we're traveling this thing. So that's what I'm excited about. It's good. So what have you discovered or rediscovered in your prep time? Wayne, you want to? Sure. Uh, one of the things, am I on? I'm not hearing myself. Now. Oh, am I having problems with my ears? Um, the thing that I, as I was preparing for the series and reading it, that jumped out at me in a way that it hadn't before is that in Revelation, God is coming against earthly empire. And he's coming against every earthly empire. And sometimes I think the church tries to figure out what earthly empire can they build. But God's come against every earthly empire. The winners are people called out of every nation to follow the lamb, who's also the lion. And I think that, should, that, that informed my perspective on what God is doing. Again, this cosmic thing that God is doing over the whole entire world. And then how does that shape and form my perspective on how I live my life today? So. <laughs> I'll go. So, um, hello? He's just turning off the other mic, so he just got to ah, gotcha. keep talking to him. Turn off. Uh, that way we don't get feedback. So in the, first call, in the second and third chapter, there's a bunch of these letters to churches. And what really struck out to me in my beginning to study on that was the context that they were in. The, the Roman emperor was worshipped, and they basically had to kind of kiss the ring to survive and so forth. And what was shocking was how upset God seems to be at the way that many of them syncretize to kind of avoid getting punished. And, you know, I grew up in a church kind of background that was very much be, be separate. There are a lot of rules what you could and couldn't do on Sundays that I've really, you know, like the frog in the kettle. Like, you know, my kids sometimes don't even go to church because their sports are doing something else. And, and, it's, and what's been challenging me is have I gotten a little too comfortable with just thinking that it's okay fitting in and might God really want me to be willing to be suffering a little bit more? Um, what I feel like I rediscovered as I've been studying is that, well, two things. Uh, one is that Revelation shows that we need the whole Bible. Like, we can't just be this New Testament uh, age people that says, I only read about Jesus and his grace. And I think you even spoke about some of that. It's just like the Jesus, um, how he's just all over it all. And it's, it's going to be some things in Revelation if you don't know your whole Bible it's going to make you want to check out. I don't know what this is. It's confusing or whatnot. But uh, Revelation challenges us to read our whole Bible and uh, and look at some of those things that are um, scary to us or um, analogies that don't make sense, symbolism and stuff like that. But then, too, um, just discovering the fact that, like, God is such a loving parent and how he starts off the book of Revelation. We all think is this this scary book or whatnot. But if you really read it, um, with God's heart in mind, like he starts off with these letters that's just encouraging these people to, hey man, like, dude, I want you to get right. Like, I, I, I got my, my, I got your best interest at heart. And then the middle of the book kind of gets a little hard or whatnot. But then the end, he comes back and ties it up again, like a loving parent is supposed to do. Like, I want to be someday. Um, love my kids from the beginning and say, hey man, this is why I got to bring this. And so, um, that's just been interesting to see that, hey, if I ever get in Revelations and it's hard, I need to go back to the beginning and remember that he started off loving and he finished off loving. And so that, that's what I would say. And I would even say uh, I just noticed for the first time in each of the seven letters to the churches, the, he starts them off the same way, I know. 
Like, I know what you're wrestling with. I know what you're going through. I'm aware of what, what's happening with you. And so there's some comfort there that God knows. He sees what we're struggling with. He sees our, our challenges, and he's with us in them. Yeah, one of the things we talked about, um, and it's, Kevin was just alluding to it, the idea that um, you're going to understand Revelation more when you put it in the context of the entire Scripture. So there's going to be times, like even today, where I'm encouraging you to go back and read uh, Daniel chapters 5 through, through 12, 7 through 12. Um, why? Because it's going to help you to give context to what we're reading in Revelation. Or uh, we're going to look next week at the, uh, the letter to the church in Ephesus. So I'm going to encourage you to go read Ephesians. So we're going to be, as a teaching team, sort of sending you, if you will, to other places in the Old Testament. I think you mentioned uh, Ezekiel in the first service. Like Those will all help you uh, make sense of what we're reading. So that's a good way for you to stay engaged. So get ready to eat your Bible. Yeah. See, some of y'all ain't on y'all Bible stuff. See, y'all get on it. All right. And then last question is advice. What advice do you have for uh, those who are jumping into study? Wayne? Uh, the first thing I think is, uh, I'm thinking about Revelation 1, and then John has this image. Of, he sees Jesus, and he says he falls down as though he was dead. And then Jesus puts his hand on him, and he says, fear not. And so I would just say, fear not. Don't be afraid of the book. Don't be afraid of the things you may not understand. Don't be afraid of what you think might be happening in that book and might it happen to you or not. Um, enter into it and try to see what God was saying to the church in the first century and then what is he saying for us today. And the other thing I'd say is pray. Um, pray for understanding. Pray for discernment. For sure. Pray for wisdom. Pray for us as we're exegeting and, um, and uh, see what God does. Yeah, I would say a couple things. Well, the first one is just humility. You know, I've heard a lot of people over my life that seem like they think they're the only ones that have the code to understand everything. And I think there's some stuff that we're not meant to understand because it's not that clear. Um, and I think the other thing would be to keep the big picture in mind. It's really easy to just get your head spinning and get overwhelmed. But to take a step back and say, what's the big picture? Jesus wins. You know, we're, we're going to be accountable. So those are my advice. Great. That's good. What I would say is run, get away now, get out, turn. Uh, stop but, putting an S on uh, the end of Revelation. Revelation, yeah, stop that. Yeah, we get to learn. Like, don't put an S on Revelation. It's not Revelations. But uh, what I would say is uh, two things. I would say breathe and receive. When we think about Revelation, it seems like it's this scary thing, this haunted house, and we tense up, and we're just waiting for the scary parts to come. But just breathe, relax, take a deep breath, and then receive it all. Like you go on a journey, you're traveling, and you don't close your eyes when you're driving from here to California. So hopefully you're not closing your eyes. But you receive everything in. You receive the beauty that comes. And I would just say go on this journey with Revelation with your eyes wide open to receive all the beauty that thing. it has. Because like Bryce says, hey, in the end, Jesus wins. And guess what? We win. So let's do it. Let's go on the journey. Great. Bryce, will you pray for us? Lord, I pray that you would uh, draw us in to this journey with expectation. I ask that we would uh, come out of it encouraged, not, mm -hmm. not overwhelmed, not fearful. 
And one of the phrases that keeps getting repeated in those early chapters is, let the one who has ears hear what the Spirit's saying. Help us to really understand what you want us to take away. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we're grateful for our church. And just pray you bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's thank these guys. Thank you so much. I found myself uh, really thinking about uh, how grateful I am for the teaching team uh, that we have here at Grace and the number of just talented people, whether they're singing or teaching. Um, God just keeps bringing some wonderful people. I'm super excited about teaching with these guys. One of the things we do as a teaching team is uh, we come in and talk about our sermons on Thursday, but we also just share uh, with one another what God's doing. It helps to uh, hold us accountable to uh, the scripture. So grab your Bibles. Uh, or your journals, if you already bought one. I hope you already have bought one and turned to, in your journals, page 6, in your Bibles, page 1028. This is the last book of the New Testament, if you're trying to find it. Uh, I really, really encourage you to get a journal. The first series we ever did with these journals and asking you to buy them was the series we just finished on Romans. Uh, and I just can't tell you the number of people that I had feedback from how helpful that was. Uh, but get a journal. They're only $5 if you're online right now. Uh, you can either come by the church during our regular office hours and buy one, or I think there's probably a link right in the chat that you could just kick the link and order one. Um, I think they're $6 on Amazon. They're $5 here. So um, if you want to save a buck and drive here, that's fine. But we encourage you to get one. Have it in front of you. Take notes. Underline uh, keywords, circle keywords, write in the margins. Uh, it will help you to retain what you hear, but it'll also be a good resource for you to go back to two years from now, five years from now, when um, you were thinking about Revelations, you'll have a place that captured uh, some of your notes. So just encourage you to uh, get a journal. Um, when you read Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation, one of the best things you can do every time you pick it up is remind yourself that this is a letter written to seven specific churches to address a specific issue that they were dealing with. It will help you to understand that this letter had, had meaning and application for the first century church. And I say this to you all the time, but if we don't know what Scripture meant to the original readers, then we can really never know what it means to you and I. So hold that in your mind as you're reading. How was this received? What was this letter saying to the first century church? These opening verses give us kind of a, an introduction to the letter. Where are we going? What is this letter all about? And those opening verses kind of serve like a prologue, if you will, to a, to a good book. So look at verse 1. It says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servant the things that must soon take place. He made known by sending his angel to his servant, John. There's a lot in here, but let's just start with where this is. And right out of the chute, we have some some tension. We have a a, a point of um, difficulty for many of us. That word revelation in the Greek is the word apocalypsis. It's the word we get apocalypse from. Now, when you hear the word apocalypse, what do you see in your mind's eye? Like, what do you actually envision? Is it a a Mad Max sort of world where most everything is destroyed and only a few people survive? It's it's uh, post-nuclear destruction. It's the walking dead. Right? What comes to mind when you hear the word apocalypse? 
And just as importantly, when you think about reading and studying Revelation, or when you think about living through the events described in Revelation, what emotion does it stir in you? Imagine if the translators had had translated that opening word instead of revelation, if they had translated apocalypse. Imagine if it started with the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. I mean, it would have been an accurate translation. And the problem here is this word apocalypse, it's taken on a meaning in our culture that it was never intended to mean. It's it's a description of doom and gloom. It's got a sinister sort of, of sound to it. And when you, when you see it, I just saw it in a completely different uh, context, somebody writing about the apocalypse. It wasn't a, a good thing. But apocalypse just simply means uh, a, an uncovering, right? It's the idea of, of unveiling something, or as Wayne said, pulling back the curtain or, or revealing to us something that's normally hidden. Right? It's pulling back the cover or the veil and revealing to us who Jesus is in all of his glory, his, his place in the cosmos, right? his eternal power, his immeasurable glory. And this is what you need to know. The letter of Revelation was intended for the church, and that includes us, to hear in community Right? It was intended to be heard in community, to be a source of encouragement, and listen, to inspire passionate worship. The purpose of the letter was a circular letter that went out to the churches to encourage them to persevere, but to inspire them to passionate worship. It's not a letter of gloom or destruction, at least not for those who know Jesus. Right? Rather, it's, it's about power, as the guy said. It's about victory. It's about the fact that it tells us that, that we win. Throughout the beginning of this series, when we first decided we were going to teach on it, we've been asking the question, what if apocalypse was a good thing? Right? What if we all came to the place spiritually and emotionally where instead of being intimidated by the book of Revelation, we were drawn to it, we were excited about it, where we were inspired for passionate worship. So let me just uh, grab some of the clues we get about Revelation from these opening verses. So uh, it opens up with the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then the last part of verse one, beginning of verse two, it says that he made known by sending his angel, his servant to John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. And this is pretty critical for us. If we're really going to understand what Revelation is, we have to, we have to understand that it's a, it's a peek into the spiritual realm. There is more going on around us than what we can see with our natural eyes. There are principalities. There's a spirit world even amongst us right now that we are, are not able to see. And Revelation is giving us a, a, an opportunity to see or to visualize the, both the natural and the supernatural, right? Both what we, what we can normally see and what we can't see because it's the spiritual realm. So this introduction... The way it comes about, it, it serves to inform us right out of the chute that this letter is very different. 
It's not like the Gospels that's, that's giving us an account of Jesus' life. It's not like the other epistles that's, that's kind of written to be instructional to the church. Clearly, there's instruction in Revelations, but it's not the same as the other epistles. So we began to get some clues that if we're going to really understand Revelation, we have to understand the type of literature that it is. Knowing the genre or the type of literature we're reading helps us to understand how to interpret what's written. Let me give you an example of that. We know that there's something about metaphors and poetic language and poetry, right? That people use, use words to describe something, but it's not meant to be taken literally, right? So when David writes in the Psalms, he writes that, that God collects all of my tears in a bottle, right? God doesn't actually collect David's tears in a bottle. It's not like there's some place in heaven where there's millions, billions of bottles some full of more tears than less tears. Like, it's not meant to be literal. It's meant to be just this picture image of us, for us, that God sees. Like, David is saying, God sees me. He, he knows my pain. Just like the beginning of Revelation, I know you, I see you, I feel what you feel. So there's this idea of poetic language. But then we get to the Gospels, for instance, and we read a story about Jesus spitting on the ground and making mud. Remember this story? And he wipes the mud on the blind man's eyes, and he says, go wash in the pool. When the man washed, he could see. That's not a metaphor, right? That's a historical account of something that Jesus actually did. And we need to know when things are metaphoric, when things are just uh, uh, meant to give us a, a picture or an understanding, and when they are actual. And Revelation is full of metaphors full of pictures. It's not meant to be literal. It's not meant to be even seen as literal. It's meant to teach us something about the power and the glory of God with the use of symbols and metaphors. So we get to Revelation. We have to first understand that this was meant to stir something in the early church, right? And we need to understand the genre that it came from. And the genre for this is what's called apocalyptic literature or revelatory literature. I said earlier that if you want to see somewhere else where this is taking place, you can uh, go to the book of Daniel, chapter 7 through 12 is is another good example of revelatory or apocalyptic literature. Let me just show you, this is from uh, one of the books that I'm reading. This is common features of, this is really exciting stuff, common features of uh, apocalyptic literature. And just see, for what you know about Revelation, see if this is a good description. It's prophetic pronouncements in picture form, right? Lots Lots of things to visualize. Strange and often ghastly figures, absolutely a part of Revelation. Or Daniel, if you go back and read what I just said. Lots of metaphors we just talked about. Description of events signaling the end and action that leads to judgment and a new world. It sounds like a very vivid description of what we're going to experience in Revelation, which clues us into the type of literature we are about to read. One of the most common definitions of revelatory or apocalyptic literature uh, that mo- modern Bible scholars use is revelatory literature is a narrative framework, a story, in which the revelation is mediated by an otherworldly being to a human recipient. We just read this. An angel right, is coming and downloading this information to John. Those are just clues that help us to understand the type of literature we are about to enter into. And the early church would have known, the early church hearing this for the first time, would have known immediately by this introduction what they were about to hear would be different, 
What they were about to hear would be prophetic. What they were about to hear would have lots of metaphors and lots of it would point towards the end and judgment. Okay. Again, if you want to read a little bit more uh, of the same genre, read the uh, last few chapters of the book of Daniel. So we define the, the genre and that helps us to know what it is saying and just as importantly, what it's not saying. Look at verse four. It says, John to the seven churches that are in Asia. I already, t- I already said this, but this is written to, to seven churches. Each of the churches seem to have different internal issues. We see that from the letters to them. But all of the churches are living under the oppressive rule of the Roman government, something that Bryce alluded to when we were just talking. They were, they were all under this, this brutal empire. And here's the deal. At that stage of the Roman Empire, the people of Rome, citizens, were required to participate in worship of the emperor, that he was risen to a perceived level of, of deity, and they were to worship the emperor. When the first century church heard Revelation, right, they would have understood, stay with me here, that the beast of Revelation was the Roman Empire, right? They would have immediately known from Old Testament texts from, that the beast that they're being talked about is the Roman Empire. It had meaning for them in their context. And here's what they also would have known. If I follow the beast, if I take the mark of the beast by participating in this corporate worship towards the emperor, if I decide not to, then I'm going to be persecuted. I may not even be able to buy food in the market or get a job. Or worse yet, I may be gathered up and taken to the Colosseum and fed to the lions, right? Revelation had meaning for the first century church in the same way it has meaning for you and I. But here's the deal, so important. Revelation was never intended to be this like lens by which we look through and then we look at the current events and then determine Oh, now we're living in the last days, right? And that's how it's been used, literally, for centuries. That's how Revelation, we look through Revelation, we say, oh, these events in our current affairs, this signals that now we are living in the last days. If that were the case, then it would have very little meaning to the first century church or the second century church or the third century church. And it was relevant to the church then, and it's relevant to the church now, If someone, I, I just want you to say, be very cautious when someone, a pastor, a self-proclaimed prophet is telling you that certain events, the crisis in Israel, between Israel and Palestine, that means that we are finally in the last days. That should be a, an, an, a warning sign for you to be cautious of those teachings, If someone is telling you about Revelation and saying, Revelation is telling us that so-and-so is the Antichrist, you should be leery and cautious of that. 
in my lifetime, these are the anti, this is just a short list. I could have made it much longer. These are the antichrists that I was told at different points in my life growing up that these were the antichrists. John F. Kennedy, Henry Kissinger, Mikhail Gorbachev, Pope John Paul II. You guys are laughing, but I'm telling you, look it up. These are all in writing. Great prophets said it. Ronald Reagan, Saddam Hussein, Barack Obama, Bill Gates. And this week, I read the internet. (laughs) Right? The problem is... The world is watching, our kids are watching, and that, 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 that continual guessing game is just, it's diluting the scriptures. That's not the point of Revelation, right? It's not the point to, to give us this tea leaves to tell us all about current affairs. And, and when we're wrong, it just discredits the scriptures, at least in the eyes of those people who are watching us. I was told as a young boy growing up that credit cards was the start of the mark of the beast. That if you got a credit card, you were taking the mark of the beast. Right? I was told that the euro, you know, the euro, the dollar in Europe, the euro was the beginning of of the world uh, economic order, and the euro was the beginning of revelation finally happening. I was told that microchips. We're at the beginning of the end. We're all going to get microchips. They're going to be embedded in our arm. And if you get one and you can't get any food, you won't be able to go, you know, you won't be able to get a job unless you have your microchip embedded in your hand. And it all just sounds scary as all get out. And the point is, it's not the purpose of revelation. Right? It doesn't mean we should put in our, our head in the sand. But, but even as Wayne said, it's about the principalities that are at work in the world against the principalities of God and being aware of that. The letter of Revelation was relevant and applicable to the first century church. And it's relevant and it's applicable to this church and to every church, every generation in between. It's timeless, right? It's actually revealing history from a completely different perspective. It's, it's, it goes beyond our way of seeing seeing time in this linear fashion where we look back from one point and we look forward from one point. It's, it's peeling back the layer and seeing the cosmos and the world from a, a timeless perspective. Look, God isn't, isn't operating in the same way that we operate with time and a thousand years is but a day to God. And we need to just hold that all loosely when we read the book of Revelation. Here's, I said this when we were doing Romans. We, as followers of Jesus, need to understand and grasp the reality that we are living in the last days. Just as the first century church was living in the last days. Look at what John wrote. He said in verse 1, these things must soon take place. You know what soon means in the Greek? Soon. It, mean, it actually means immediately. So the question you have to ask is, was John mistaken? Did he misunderstand what the angel said? And the answer is, of course not. Soon is soon. A, a thousand years is but a day to God, and we need to be careful not to, to warp what it's meaning. Like, 
Like, we are living in the last days just as the first century church was living in the last days. Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour. You better be ready, right? You better stay alert. Pay attention because he's going to come like a thief in the night. And when you hear the prophets, self-professed prophets and the pastors telling you that, that this event means that finally and the look, none of us were going to live through the 70s. I'm telling you, this is the stuff I was being fed all the way through. Like, we weren't going to make it out of the 70s because all of the events prove, including Y2K, which would have been after the 70s, but every event, right, at it's the end. It doesn't matter. We are to live as if we're in the last days because that's what Jesus told us to do. Chapters 1, verse 3. It says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and who hears and who keeps what is written. For the time is near. I've been hanging on to this verse more than any other verses I've begun to say. Like, Revelation doesn't have to scare you. You're blessed if you hang out in Revelation. You're blessed if you read it. You're blessed if you hear somebody read it. The book of Revelation teaches us to see beyond the immediate and focus on the eternal. Something we all need to do better. Blessed are those who hear. When we first started planning the series, I read that verse and we began to talk about, I went home and said to Meg, I think we need to have somebody come and read Revelation. She said, well, you better get somebody with a really good voice because that's going to take a long time. So let's pick a really good reader, right? somebody who's easy to listen to and we'll do it. And then we began to talk about it and plan it as a, we're just going to read it out loud. And then I remembered uh, somebody, a woman that came for one of the women's events. And I still don't know why I was at that women's event. I think they must have had me pray or something there, but I was there and Holly uh, recited a chapter of Revelation. It's kind of a dramatic reciting of that chapter. And I remember how moving it was for me sitting in the back in this room, listening to her just recite an entire chapter of Revelation. So I called her and asked her uh, about that. And she said, yeah, I've actually memorized the entire book of Revelation which is super cool. So I invited Holly to come. So she's coming tonight, and she is going to recite for us the entire book of Revelation. Why? Because blessed are those who hear this book. And that's how the first century church would have experienced it. It was, it was pre, you know, everybody couldn't read at the time, so, so they would have come, they would have heard the book in its entirety in one setting. So that's going to happen tonight at 6 o'clock. Um, encourage you to be here. I am telling you, it's probably not an ideal event for anybody 13 or younger. It's probably going to take an hour and 20 minutes or a little bit longer. I can't imagine a seven-year-old, eight-year-old wanting to being able to sit through that long. And I want you to just experience it. It will be online, so you can uh, web stream it at the same time. We will record it and have it on the website for later dates too. But I encourage you to experience it live. Be in the room and experience uh, this book being read the way the early church would have heard it. All right, I'm going to leave you with three questions. I encourage you maybe to take a picture of these or write them in your journal. But these are questions you should hold on to as you're reading. And these are the questions that we're going to hold on to as we teach through this book. I would call these the guiding questions for teaching revelations. The first is, what did this letter mean to the seven churches? The churches that it was actually, how would they have interpreted this? How would they have understood it? Remember, if you don't know what it meant, you can't really know what it means. The second one is, what does this have to do with Jesus and the cross? Jesus said, all of the scriptures point towards me. So ask that question. How does this point towards Jesus? How does this remind us of what the gospel really is all about? And the third question is, how are we to apply this in our own lives today? 
What does God want to say to me? How does God want me and our church to apply this today? All right, that gives us a framework for uh, where we're beginning in this uh, journey. Encourage you to stay with us, to, to get uh, plugged in, to study the book as we go through this. Uh, we're gonna, next week, we're going to look at the rest of chapter 1 where it talks about the lampstands and what those are all about. And then we're going to look at the letter to the church in Ephesus, which is the first of the seven letters. So there's seven churches, seven letters. So again, I encourage you to read uh, the book of Ephesians. You can read it in about... 20 minutes, if you sit down and read it from cover to cover, why would you want to read it? Because next week, we're going to look at a letter to that church, and it'll just give you some context about the church in Ephesus before you hear what Jesus had to say to them in Revelation. Okay, you with me? You excited? Yes. All right, come back next week as we jump into this. Let me pray for us, and then we'll wrap things up. Lord, thank you for Revelation. Thank you for this opportunity we have to work through this. I pray for Bryce, I pray for Wayne. I pray for Kevin. I pray for myself. I pray that you would give us your words. I pray in this moment that anything we say for the next several weeks that's not of you would just fall away, but those things that are prompted by your Holy Spirit would uh, go forth, that it would land in fertile soil, that it would take root, and that it would bear fruit a thousandfold. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's a group of people that prayed for you uh, this morning. And this is what they heard. Sorry. Uh, there's some, this was actually both services. I think this is great when this happens. Uh, some, somebody's dealing with some right shoulder issues. We'd love to pray for you. Um, someone's afraid to give something up because of what they feel like they're going to lose. But God wants to encourage you to trust him. What he has for you is worth far more than what he's asking you to give up. Uh, there's a couple struggling in their marriage that they just need to find some peace. We would love to pray for you for that. And God wants to soften the hearts um, of those who haven't totally turned to him. So if that resonates with you, any of that, we'd love to pray for you. There's people down front that would meet with you to pray. If you're online, there's a couple numbers on your screen. If you dial those numbers, they'll put you into a private Zoom room uh, to be prayed for. If you need anything physically, spiritually, a little bit of both, come on down, grab your uh, journals on the way out, and let's uh, get ready for an exciting series in Revelation.